Amen. Praise God. What a day to celebrate. Um, uh, I've realized that there is a day coming um, when those who love me are going to, those of us who left are going to stand around and just have a memory of my life. And they're going to say things about me. And um, I've done that for my own father. Sat down at, I was going to say a eulogy at his funeral, began to write the story of my dad's life. And uh, wept my way through the impact that he had on me. Because there's nothing quite like a father when he does fathering like he should. There's nothing that brings so much security and so much health and so much identity to us when a father does what he should do. And to the fathers in the house today who are standing for righteousness and who doing your best to love and honor your family and calling out their identity. You see, the scripture says, from whom, it says, let's honor the father from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Identity comes from fathers. And for fathers who are standing up and calling out life-giving speech over their children and over their spouses, who are prophesying life and health, who are calling identity and goodness and kindness out over you. To those dads, we want to just say thank you so much for what you do. What you do is a significant, significant blessing in our lives. Fathers who stand well in front of their families are, take 95% of the enemy's um, press against the family out of the equation. Dads who stand up in for what God's called you to, your anointing covers and protects and shields and gives a safe space, not just physically, but spiritually, to your family, what you do matters. Fathers who are an example of loving their wives, of loving the kids, of being diligent, of being steady in tough times, of being honor and faithful to the Lord uh, visibly in front of your family, what you do matters, changes our lives. So if you're a father in this place, I'm going to ask you to stand and we'd like to just bless you by a significant prayer because I'm so grateful, I'm really grateful that God has given us men in this church who will father and bring forth another generation. We believe in a multi-generational call. Uh, God never called one generation. He always calls us to lead our children who lead their children and a multi-generational blessing is due. If you're sitting around these men and you know and love them, why don't you just reach out a hand and put your hand on them and let's bless them together. Father, we just want to bless these men and we thank you for their role and we thank you for what they do, Lord, not just here but in their homes. Not just, Lord, in their homes but in wherever they work. These fathers, Lord, who do what is right and good, we bless them. We sanction them, Lord, with your peace. We call your wisdom out over them. We bless them, Lord. We honor them for all that they have done and all they're doing. We so appreciate, Lord, that you gave men like this to be fathers in the house. And so, Father, we say the Lord bless and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord lift up the smile of his face on you and give you peace. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Thank you, dads. We appreciate you very much. That is so very cool. I had a, a message on my heart um, 
uh, for those of you who don't preach, I, I preach sometimes messages come and it's, I, I know what I want to say. I've got the whole outline in about two seconds. I go, that, that's, that's it. And sometimes uh, messages you have to work at. And sometimes messages grow. This message grew in me, and the more I began to prepare, the more I go, man, I, I, need, this, I need more time. This is, this is urgent, right? And so the more I began to see about what I'm preaching, the more I realized not just that this is a massive topic, but this is an urgent topic for us as a church at this time. So I'm very excited about it. The message is entitled, When the Keepers of the House Tremble. When the keepers of the house tremble, it's taken from that scripture in Ecclesiastes 12. It says, remember God in the days of your youth, before the days change, before the days of trouble come, uh, and you say, I find no joy in them. And then one of the phrases is a poem written, and he says, when the keepers of the house tremble, and the strong men stoop or bow down. There was a guy whose name was John and he had a horrible memory. All his friends knew it, they, they understood it. And he ran into his friend Bill and he said, uh, Bill said, hey John, and he goes, uh, hey Bill. He goes, no, I'm surprised you remember my name. He goes, yeah, no, 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 I, I, I'm not bad at uh, memory anymore. I just went to a seminar with my wife and uh, they taught me how to remember everything. He says, you, you went? He goes, yeah, I went with my wife and we went in. And he said, wow, that's great. What was the name of the seminar? He said, what's the name of that long flower with the, with the thorns and long stem and the red? He goes, Rose. He goes, hey, Rose, what was the name of that seminar? <laughs> bad, bad joke. <laughs> Today's message is more important to our spiritual health than it may seem at first glance. I want to speak about forgetfulness, or more specifically, spiritual forgetfulness. This grand lack of remembering and the lack of being in the moment when God moves, seeing and recognizing and marveling at God when he moves, discerning his power correctly and what he wants to do and what he is doing in our life, to be in the moment and to get it and to go, oh, wow, that's who he is. And then remember that, capture that moment. Because this world has an incessant conveyor belt that drives towards unbelief and away from the presence of God. And that means that as believers, we have to be active and deliberate about engaging ourselves to remember. Because if we're not careful, we'll just get on that conveyor belt that pushes us into forgetfulness about the things that God is doing. C.S. Lewis said, we may ignore, but we can nowhere evade the presence of God. The world is crowded with him. I like that phrase. The world is crowded with God. He walks everywhere incognito. And the incognito is not always hard to penetrate. The real labor is to remember, to attend. In fact, to come awake, still more to remain awake. The real labor is to remember. According to the Harvard blog, memory loss is what happens when you get older. But it can be exacerbated by things like lack of sleep or medications or an underactive thyroid or alcohol or stress and anxiety or depression or nutritional deficiencies and there are a number of factors that include it. Being spiritually forgetful uh, comes from uh, a worldliness, basically. But so many times the scriptures encourage us to remember the Lord 
or alternatively, not to forget, as it says sometimes. Forgetting the Lord is the first step in a tragic line of consequences. Forgetting is a dangerous sin. So the slide into idolatry starts with a whisper, a belief that the enemy has more power or access to us than Jesus does. Now that can only happen when we forget who we serve, who he's made us to be, and the great things that he has done for us. Forgetfulness is a powerfully threatening foe. Israel showed this in their history because they began to forsake the Lord and worship the Baals, which was, Baal worship was a territorial mishmash of a, a number of different belief systems, and basically they just believed that uh, these Baals, these local deities um, were, were, I mean, the Baal, uh, they believed, was ultimately the big God, but there were lots of little Baals in regional places, and you worship the Baal here because they would help you with your fertility or your health or your wealth or your well-being. And so in order to appease the local deity, you made sacrifices and you, there was a sense that this Baal was closer to you than the great God. And so that sense that this God is closer to me and although God is more powerful, this God's nearer and so I'm just going to appease this God, Right? And there were all sorts of different Baals mentioned, Baal, Beruth, Baal, Gad, Baal, Haman, Baal, Hazar, Baal, Herman, different names for different places because that's the local deity. Now, appeasing and pleasing these Baals became the massive error of Israel instead of worshiping the one true God. And it's astounding because you, you read the history of Israel and the, and the bared arm of God as he brought them out of Egypt. This is a generation and a nation that saw God in his glory. They literally saw unbelievable miracles and still found the time to worship the Baals. Now, the Bible is clear how that happened. Let me take you to Judges 3. Judges 3 verse 7 says... The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God. And they served the Baals and the Asherahs. It starts with forgetfulness. And it ends in idolatry. Starts with forgetfulness. Ends in idolatry. Now God had warned Israel so many times. In fact, if you, if you, see, if you see the run up towards them going into the promised land, it feels like the only message almost that God had sent the nation. Listen, guys, don't forget me. When I take you in there, don't forget me. Remember what I did. Don't forget this. Numbers 15, for example. Throughout the generations to come, you are to make tassels on the corner of your garments with a blue cord on each tassel. You will have these tassels to look at, and so you will remember. On the edges of their clothing, they had to be distinguished from every other nation. You had to have tassels on the edge of your garment. Why? That's so you can remember me, God said. Portions of scripture were to be bound on their wrists and on their foreheads, nailed to the doors of their houses. They had poems. They had prayers. They had to pray every morning and evening. They had traditions that they had to say at the Shabbat meals. They had seven feasts in the year they had to attend. There were national monuments. There was a reciting of scripture. There were weekly readings of the scripture. There were piles of memorial stones. There were the names of the places that were all set in their life so that they would remember and not forget. 
In the last speech that Moses gives in Numbers 8, he gives them a song. Moses literally wrote a song and taught it to the nation of Israel, had them sing it and memorize it so that they would not forget. Joshua leads the people through the Jordan. They're going into the promised land. He stops. He says, get the biggest guy in each tribe, pick up the biggest rock you can find and come with me. And he takes them over to the other side and he sets up those stones as a monument that they build together. Sorry, I was, I, I was moved to tears on this day. That's why I got, my nose is running. Because when I, when I was listening to Tyler about how the kingdom breaks out in this nation and how the kingdom breaks out in our heart, I was moved. Love the kingdom breaking out. So, that's one. Yeah. The last entreaty to Moses that Moses had, let me read you from Deuteronomy 6. This is Moses. He's talking to the nation. He's going, listen, be careful. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God and serve him only and take oaths in his name. Do not follow the other gods, the gods of the people around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God and his anger will burn against you and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Now, I could, I could prove this point to you again and again I, in so many different ways in so many different scriptures, but I, I think um, hopefully by now you get th- that this is the thing. This is an urgency in the heart of God. Do not forget me. And so I was like, yes, those ugly Israelites, how could they? And then I turned my, gla- my gaze to my own life and I realized sometimes, uh, sometimes I get into bad places because of my forgetfulness. So I, I, I just want to share with you some of the warning signs, my personal signs of forgetfulness. And, and they, I'm not trying to point any fingers at anybody. I'm just bearing my soul to you. And maybe you'll find some affinity with me in these signs. Number one, I know when I have been forgetful when I firstly suffer a lack of gratitude. Because suddenly what happens is, I'm like, now worse than, I'm like moaning. I'm accusing God. Well, how can you not? You don't care. What's going on? When I find that thing going on in my spirit, I go, oh, I've forgotten. Because that is a fruit of forgetfulness. Because when I remember, when I take some time, when I sit back and I see what God has done, and he remind, the Holy Spirit reminds me, and he goes, I did that for you, and I was faithful there, and I forgave you that, and I moved on here, and I, I changed that, and I, those circumstances, and I go, then I feel embarrassed. When I remember, I'm embarrassed because I'm behind on Thanksgiving. I haven't said thank, I haven't praised enough. When I remember, I'm always like, oh, Lord, you're so good. When I'm forgetful, I'm like, What have you done for me lately? Number two, I have a sense of God's ambivalence towards me. Yeah, God, worse even, God hates me. God's angry with me. God's rejecting me. But this general sense of God's ambivalence is a sign of forgetfulness because when I remember, I have a great sense of God's favor on my life. Wow, Lord, you're so kind. You're watching over me. I remember, I I prayed that prayer and you answered. It wasn't a generalized thing. It was specific to me. It was the burden of my heart. It was the thing that I had urgency over and you answered me and I have a sense of God's favor and blessing on my life. When I forget, 
it feels like he doesn't care. Number three, I'm sluggish to believe. <laughs> when I remember, I just go back in the memory banks and I walk past the memory stones and I go, remember what? Remember that happened? Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Then I get excited. Then I, wanna, then I start to lean forward in expectation and prayer. And I go, Lord, what are we doing today? Where are we going today? So while I'm on that, um, I, I just felt like so the Lord just reminded me. It was, it was during worship. The Lord spoke to me about two people. I just want to share this with you. There's a Chantal who's an exchange student who's wondering if this was a mistake. But the Lord said, this is a great promise. You're one turn away, one corner turn away from the greatest moment of your life to date. That's, it's the far, because I was just sitting there just thanking the father. He goes, let me show you my father's heart. There's Henry, he said, postgraduate college is the plan. And the provision for that will join you on the other side of your decision. Anyway, that was from the father. Number four, I'm slow to encourage other people. Because when I forget, I don't encourage other people. When I'm full of memories, I go, come, come on, trust God, he'll break through. Come on, you can do this. Of course God's gonna meet you there. I'm quick to encourage. I stand full of faith. I'm, go for it, man. Yeah, God will meet you. I boast about the faithfulness of God. I push people out into the arena. Step over, watch, God will meet you there. When I forget, I'm like, oh, I don't know. Things could get brutal. So there's a terrible fruit of forgetfulness. And I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to rush through this because this is not the main. I just want to show you what happens. In Hosea 12, it says there'll be punishment because I'll punish her for, because she, she forgot. Hosea 12, 2, 13. Jeremiah 3, there'll be perversion. When people forget the Lord, they turn, their ways become perverse. He said, um, there, they've perverted their ways because they've forgotten the Lord their God. They, they go into slavery. They forgot the Lord, so he sold them into the hand of Sisera, the commander, 1 Samuel 12. When you forget the Lord, slavery is always the, the option because the, the Lord is the only master whom you serve who brings you complete freedom. Any other master you serve will take you into slavery. So when you forget the Lord, slavery is inevitable. Scattering, I will scatter you like the chaff driven by the desert wind because you've forgotten me. There's more. I just wanted you to get the feeling of it. The, the scripture's not silent on this is my point. So I say, what do we want to remember? Just check it how much time I got. Well, number one, I want to remember the glory of God. Sometimes I need to just take pause because it feels like the enemy has more access to me than the Lord, and that's absolutely not the truth. That is the furthest, that's a distinct lie that the enemy pushes out there. That's the, that's the marketing department of hell right there. Like I'm closer than God is. I'm more powerful than God is. Marketing department of hell, completely not true at all. So I've, I've, when, when I start hearing that and it starts to come closer, like, like most of the time when I hear that, I go, ah, <laughs> complete nonsense. But when it comes closer and it feels maybe it's true, I need, to, I need to pause and go back and spend some time and just get caught up in the glory of God. 
Jude 1 says, Dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who follow their own ungodly desires. Stop. There will be scoffers. No matter how pure you want to live, no matter how right you are with God, no matter how just your cause, no matter how honest you are, there will be scoffers. Not because of the problem is with you, the problem is inside them. So people are going to scoff at everything that you want to do. In fact, Paul promised, if you, if you want to live a godly life, you will suffer persecution. Deal with it. There will be scoffers who come after you and the choices you make. They said to you in the last time, okay, there are people who divide you, who follow their natural instincts and who do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you eternal life. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault, with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. I love that verse. He is able to keep me from falling and to present me faultless in the presence of his glory. He's able to keep you from falling. That word, aptiastos, uh, is, a, is a word which they used about a sure-footed horse which never stumbles, or a man that does not fall into error. God is able to keep you sure-footed. He will not let you stumble. He will not let your foot slip. To walk with God is to walk with him in the safety of even the most dangerous and slippery path. It's like in mountaineering when climbers are roped together so that even if an inexperienced climber should join the team, the skilled mountaineer can take his weight and save him. You bound yourself over to the Lord Jesus Christ and he is able to keep you from falling. It's not about how gifted you are or how dedicated you are, how firm your love for Jesus is. It's about the fact that he put his hand around you and he's going to keep you from falling. And you, your weaknesses may show up on, on occasion and you, it may be pretty clear, not just to you, but to everybody else. But he is able to keep you from falling because he bound himself to you. Praise God. He can make us stand blameless in the presence of his glory. Amos. Amos is the, is the Greek word. It, it actually is the word for the sacrificed lamb that is holy and blameless. Why? Because you are submerged into the blameless and holy lamb of God. And he sees you as holy and blameless in his sight. <laughs> Why? Because he has been our clothing. When we submit ourselves to God, His grace can make our lives nothing less than a sacrifice that is fit to offer Him. Ephesians 1, He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. Colossians 1, by now He has reconciled you through Christ's physical body, through death, to present you holy in His sight. He is able to keep me and to present me faultless able to keep you. 
So I have to remember, every now and again, I have, to, I have to go back into the closet and remember by deliberate action how good God is and how glorious he is and how awesome are his deeds and how beautiful are his ways. He's awesome in power. He's unmatched in his glory. He alone does wondrous things. He alone created all things. He alone sustains all things. He alone redeems all things that are redeemable. He sets the agenda of history and he determines the edges of time. He is mighty to save. His nature is absolutely good. He is faithful and loving to all he has made. Truthful, just, gracious, compassionate. He overflows with grace. He abounds with love. He shows kindness to the undeserving. He stoops low to serve his creation. He's patient with our weaknesses. And we do very well when we remember just a few of these things. Just remembering is victory. Just remembering those truths. Because when I forget, it's like the enemy comes close and says, wow. And I go, ooh, he looks pretty powerful. When I remember, the enemy goes, wow. And I go, wow, back. <laughs> and he runs screaming from me. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he runs from you. I remember... The power of the cross. Galatians 3. Man, man, people forget the power of the cross. And I can tell, you, can, you bump into someone who's forgotten the power of the cross because in their mind, sin is such a big issue. And I go, yes, sin is, don't sin. That's a bad thing. Never sin. Sin's never a good idea. But my Savior broke sin, broke its back, broke its neck, completely destroyed it made a public display of it, completely destroyed its power over me, cut it out of my life, washed it completely out of me, removed all its consequences from me, redeemed me. Thousands and millions of sacrifices down through the ages to just cover sin until one sacrifice made by one perfect savior completely destroyed sin and no other sacrifice has ever been necessary nor will be again. One sacrifice. People forget the power of the cross. <laughs> they go, oh, you know, this and that. And it's hard to take the thing seriously. Not preaching sin, like sin's not consequential. No, it is. It's, it, I, but it's hard to take it seriously when my eyes are on the power of the cross. Galatians 3, this is Paul's big thing. He says, you foolish Galatians who has bewitched you before your very eyes when I came. I clearly portrayed Jesus in his crucifixion. I clearly, I gave you a graphic picture is the original Greek. I showed him in all his graphic detail. I showed you what happened on the cross. How now can you go back into a legalistic religion where you have to now earn your own salvation? I showed you the cross. What are you doing here? You've forgotten Galatians 6, not even those who are circumcised keep the law. 
Yet they want you to be circumcised so they can boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ through which this world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Uh, May I never boast about anything. I'm not boasting about how much I spent, how much I gave, how much time I fasted, what, how much amount of scripture I can memorize, how uh, spiritual I sound when I preach. I boast about this one thing, the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Because on that cross, Jesus washed away all my sin in expiation, and now I'm forgiven and made holy. And he absorbed all the wrath of God against me, and now I am favored in propitiation. And he brought me back from every form of bondage that I'd sold myself into, and now I am free. And that's called redemption. And then he declared me guilt-free so that now I'm completely, eternally acquitted, and that's called justification. And then he set me aside for sacred use, and now I am holy, and that's called sanctification. And then he restored me to a full relationship with God with nothing standing in between us and now I'm very very close to God and that's called reconciliation and then he gave me a new life and I've been born again and I've been dead to sin and alive to God and that's called regeneration and that all happened at the cross when he shed his blood so now that is all true but I can forget that Second Peter says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and knowledge self-control. He says, for if you possess these in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord. For anyone who does not have them is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten. They have been forgiven of their past sins. You can forget what Jesus did on the cross. Didn't change what he did on the cross just has an impact on your life if you forget. Hebrews 10, the law can make, for this reason, the law is only a shadow of the good things that were coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. The law could never make perfect those who drew near to worship. Verse 14, for by one sacrifice, He has made perfect forever. What the law could not do, Jesus did by one sacrifice. Well, I don't believe that. Acts 13. (laughs) Therefore, my friends, I could do this all day. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to attain under the law of Moses. People think I wrote that. I didn't. I'm this. Remember the wonders of his love. I was going back. I was teaching on journaling uh, two weeks back in... in uh, I said to the class, you know what you should do? You should go back and read what the Lord has journaled. And I thought, hey, physician, heal thyself. And I went back and looked at my, my journal. And you know how many times in the last six months the Lord has said, hey, hey, remember my love. It's like a constant theme with me. 
I go, Lord, let me explain. I have been a believer for 40 years. He goes, yeah, yeah. Remember my life, son. Psalm 17. Show me the wonders of your great love, David. Psalm 31. Praise be to the Lord, for he has showed me the wonders of his love when I was in a city under siege. Jude, as we came back to that, keep yourselves in God's love. It's very hard to have an intimate sense of God's love and to walk out and do something stupid or to walk away from Him. It's very easy to walk away from Him if you're not sure that He loves you. And that forgetfulness is our responsibility. As far as I can see, Jude 1 says, keep yourselves in God's love. Keep yourselves in God's love. This is not a work, but it's a wisdom point. It's something that we need to do. Now, I want to close this message because hopefully we're on the same page. Get it? Remembering is important. Forgetting is bad. <laughs> Got it? Some of the best things I, I learned it was in kindergarten. So let me break it down. Jesus said, took a little five-year-old, and he said, the kingdom is like, you've got to deal at this level. Remembering is good. Forgetting is bad. Okay? That's the whole message. So let me, let's talk a little bit about how we can remember. Because I guarantee you, if you were deliberate about it this week, as a family, and you began to remember who he is, what he did, and his love for you, you'll find yourself in a place of overflowing worship, praise, gratitude, thankfulness, and away from the place of accusation and grumbling. So let's talk about the work of remembering. The work of remembering for me, number one, is I need to meditate. This means I need to set aside time. This means that it's not a casual on the way while I'm going to do something else important. This means I carve out a chunk of time and I go, Lord, help me remember. See, if Israel had to wear this on their clothes and put up piles of stones, there were memory stones everywhere. And the kids are like, what's that pile of stones? Oh, let me tell you about that. Why is that thing there? Why is that city named that? Let me tell you the story about what God did for us. And every time they heard it, they were like, maybe you could do it again. I have to meditate. And there's all sorts of things that the Bible says you can meditate on. Meditate on his love. Psalm 48, 9, on his person, on his works, on his ways, on his rules, on his promises, on his creation, and there are a bunch of others. Meditate, spend some time thinking about, Lord, what did you do for me? What have you said? What have you done? What did you teach me? What did you command me? In this paced life that we live, where if a, you know, one shot of a video goes longer than two seconds, we go, oh, so boring. <laughs> I 
Everything about this world is trying to flick from one thing to another. Just scroll, flick right, move on, just keep going. Just pause, meditate. Some of us need to revive the, the glorious traditions of the church, of solitude, of silence, of biblical meditation. Some of us just need to stop. Because it's important that you remember. And for me, if I just stop and reread and just think, just wait and say, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me? It just starts to emerge. Number two, praise and worship. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. Remembrance. JJ said it. JJ taught me this. Worship is remembrance. Worship is remembering. And it's a very true reality. This is why we, we worship and why it's such a big thing in our church, it's such a big part of our service. Why? Because this is the point that God wants you to move. He wants you to get who He is. Thirdly, we have to testify. It's so easy to get knotted up with, oh, I don't want to give that testimony because then that'll let people into my life and they'll find out stuff about me and then they'll see the blessing of God on me and I don't want to, it may be awkward for other people. No. When you testify about God's favor and blessing on you, it inspires other people to emulate. Psalm 78 I'm going to tell you about things things that we have heard and known we'll tell them to the next generation so that they would put their trust in God and not forget you think your testimony is just about you your testimony is about helping us not forget we need not to forget and every week, every week, miracles are happening all the time. I mean, supernatural stuff is going on. People are getting touched. Encounters are happening. People are getting healed. This is happening every week. Your testimony, vocalized, helps us to remember. As a family... We need to revive a campfire, I'm telling you. Go light a fire outside, sit with the kids over a campfire at night and tell them the stories of our family. Tell them the stories of the faithfulness of God. Tell them the stories of encounters. Tell them the stories of what God said and then how he came through. We need to testify. We need to tell some stories, friends. Number four, we need to give thanks. As a lifestyle. As a habit. Give thanks in all circumstances. In all circumstances. Not for all circumstances, but in all circumstances. Give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Can I suggest that you try one or all of those this week? 
maybe you want to start a remembrance page. My friend Leif Hetland, you go into his office. It's like a, it's like a shrine to the glory of God. There's a thing there. You go, what's that? Oh, oh. I, I was here and this guy got out of a wheelchair. It's the first time I saw that. that that's what that is. And, and this, oh, oh, that. I, I was about, they were coming to the stage to kill me and then the power of God fell on them and then they all got converted. Oh, great. And then? <laughs> it's all study. It's all study. It's memory stones. Oh, 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 this painting I got when. Refuses to forget. I tell you the truth. This is may not for everyone, but some people in this room will appreciate it. Sometimes when you're leading a meeting and you can't hear God and you can't see what he's doing, you can remember what he did in the past. Sometimes God will lead you by memory. I don't know what the Lord's saying. It's okay. I don't know. I can't. I don't know what the Lord's doing. That's okay. Can you remember what the Lord did? Yeah. Do that again. God sometimes leads by memory. That was for free. I don't care who you are. I don't care what family you come from. I guarantee you that there are memory stones in your life. I guarantee you God has not left your family without a testimony of Him. I guarantee you. I'm going to pray that this week God ignites that in you. Let's pray together. Lord, I want to work at remembering. But I need your help. So I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, would you move among us this week? Would you help us remember the the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, the awesome person of our God, the finished work of the cross, the unfailing fruit of your love? I ask, Lord, that you'd banish from us this week that sense that you're far away. Banish from our lives, Lord, the sense of accusation. Banish, Lord, and destroy like a mist any lack of faith, any lack of encouragement. Help us to remember, Lord, so that we may praise you well in Jesus' name.